Hello and welcome back to the Mindful Manager Podcast. My name is Art Burns and I'm here to be your host and I'm really, really excited to be here with you. So uh, I wanted to follow up on some of the stuff that we talked about last week regarding kind intention, otherwise known as uh, loving kindness, um, that, you know, that, that, you know, the, the way that we, we talked about establishing the, the sort of habits of, of kind intention. And, and so one of the, I want to take a little bit of a step back today and talk about how that applies. Uh, and in fact, talk about the very most important first step uh, in, in this process, which is to establish a love or a kind intention towards ourselves first. Okay. Now I know that this kind of starts getting into this, you know, sense of woo woo, airy fairy, hippy dippy stuff that I, I told you I like to avoid. Uh, but, but just like everything that I tell you here, okay, this is all backed by science, like hard you know, hard and fast scientific method, uh, which, which is, you know, everything that I talk about now, um, now, now when we're talking about self-love, okay, you know, we're not talking about the idea of self-care, like, you know, like massages and, and facials and triple foam lattes, you know, uh, we're talking about, you know, self-criticism and judgment and other limiting thoughts that we have about ourselves that, that really do have a strong effect on our, on our daily lives, whether it's in our business, our social lives, our romantic lives, what have you. So uh, I actually have a really funny story about about the term self-hate. Uh, and, it, and it comes from the uh, a story about the Dalai Lama. Now, again, this is not a Buddhist course and I am not a practicing Buddhist, okay? But but the the research and the studies of, of the Western-based mindfulness really coincides a great deal with, with the Buddhists, uh, you know, uh, philosophies and, and teachings uh, from the East. Um, you know, so much that it's, it's really, I mean, there, there's just a strong overlap. So it's so like in the Venn diagram between Buddhism on the, on the left and, and Western based mindfulness on the right, there would be a very big overlap of that, you know, sort of purple color between the red, the blue and the red uh, circles there. Um, and so, and it is actually the Dalai Lama who's, who's responsible for, for much of the, for actually almost all of the research that's, that's out there about Western based scientific, uh, mindfulness, uh, uh, because back in the like late 90s, um, you know, uh, the Dalai Lama actually convinced uh, a number of, of Tibetan Buddhist monks to come to the United States and, and be examined, you know, have, have their heads hooked up to, to EEGs and, 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 you know, and, and go through other research and experiments uh, to, to, to prove to the Western world and to the world at large that the, the principles and the practices of Buddhist uh, mindfulness actually are proven by our scientific method and our scientific process. And, uh, and he actually famously, which is really, to me, very, very uh, uh, admirable, he, he famously went on record and said that if, you know, in this process, some of what we practice is proven ineffective through the, the, the science of the West, then we need to reject some of those things, right? So, so like he was actually willing to, 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 you know, put on the line that, that Buddhism itself might have to change based on these experiments and this research that was being done, which I, again, I find that really admirable. So many times, you know, in, in world religions, you know, they, they really, you know, sort of bend the science to fit the religion, you know, but, but here was a guy saying, look, if the science proves it wrong, we're, we're cutting it out of 
our practices. And again, I think that's really kind of cool. So, so anyway, this, this great story of, uh, of a time when, uh, you know, during this time, uh, the Dalai Lama himself was here and he was, uh, he was talking to a group of researchers and psychologists and therapists and psychiatrists and, uh, you know, maybe 40 or 50 people in this room. And, uh, and one of the people who stood up to ask a question, um, you know, she, she mentioned the word self-hate during her, you know, during her dialogue with the Dalai Lama. And, and as soon as he heard this, he like, you know, the, the translator said something to him and he looked at the translator and they went back and forth and the Dalai Lama looked back at the audience, looked back at his translator, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, looked back at the audience, looked back at his translator, back and forth, back and forth. And for like minutes, this went on. And finally, you know, I guess understanding it, he, he turned back to the audience and he said, he said, how many others of you have this thing called self-hate that you that you experience and when every hand in the room went up you know he he reportedly he nearly fell off his chair the Dalai Lama because he just couldn't understand it so I mean needless to say there is no Tibetan word that means self-hate which is telling in and of itself you know but uh but here was this um here was this guy the the you know the the head of this world religion uh who who just was confused founded by the just the absolute you know prospect of the of the thought of self-hate and so um and so so it's really interesting how this has be this has has become a uh, a sort of um you know americanized um uh you know uh, uh concept of of self-hate which is I, I don't know i find it fascinating so so anyway in the in the science again but i promise you that everything i'm talking about here is rooted solidly in science so I'm going to get into that right now. So, um, you know, what we're talking about here, when we talk about self-hate, right, we're talking about uh, it's an automatic thought and it's specifically a negative one. Um, so so self-love is the best way to reprogram our subconscious mind to ignore these, uh, you know, the, the automatic thoughts of self-hate and, and assist us in, in our success, right? So, so, you know, in other words, like, we, we, we have the ability to reprogram the subconscious way in which these, you know, these automatic thoughts wind up equaling to automatic, you know, self-hate. And we can reprogram that to, to sort of get rid of it so that we, we kind of come at life, you know, just like, uh, you know, just like with the kind attention, you know, it changes the whole parameter and the whole perspective of, of every experience. And we can do that for ourselves as well. So, so let me get into how this all works. So, um, you know, essentially the uh, scientists will tell us that, that we each have about 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. Okay, which is staggering, of course. Uh, but what's what's really alarming or, or really of note here is that roughly ninety five percent of those of those thoughts that we have, sixty to seventy thousand thoughts, ninety five percent of those are automatic. Okay, which means that they're habit. Right. So, uh, you know, what a Buddhist will tell you is, you know, self-judgment and criticism and a motivational speaker will tell you is some sort of blockages in your mindset. You know, science calls ants, <laughs> which is an acronym for automatic negative thoughts. Okay. Um, you know, automatic negative thoughts are your subconscious brain, you know, basically, uh, reviewing the videotape of your history and trying to keep you safe by telling you all the things you're not 
good at, okay? All the all the negativity because, you know, this is what keeps us, you know, essentially the, these automatic negative thoughts are the things that keep us like stuck in a rut or or somehow stuck in the same old patterns, right? And um and one crucial step in getting out from under all this self-limiting thoughts is to convince ourselves that we are worthy of of such freedom to be out from under them right now um you know this it's not because it's not about mere you know making those 95% of your 60,000 thoughts not automatic right they they're automatic because if you were to stop and cognitively and actively process all those thoughts you wouldn't have time to do much else in your life right assuming the whole uh the whole torrent of these thoughts didn't drive you insane first right so um so it's not about you know somehow making them not automatic what what it is is uh is is simply Simply to to uh, sort of get into the habit again, you know, that's that mental that word again, mental habit of automatically thinking positive thoughts, especially about ourselves, right? So so in, instead of trying to like somehow eliminate the not negative thoughts, what we're just going to do is just different, you know, color them differently so that they are positive as opposed to negative, okay? And this, um, you know, combined with the expanded awareness that we've discussed here will allow us to assume the best for ourselves and, and to see that we are listening to these negative and limiting thoughts from moment to moment. And when we can see ourselves listening to these ants, these automatic negative thoughts, we can, we can then take mental action to break the cycle and reclaim the control over our moment to moment experience or existence, right? And, uh, and listen, when I say a cycle, I mean that very literally, okay? I'm going to go deeper into this topic tomorrow. Uh, but the more the more negative thoughts we have, and the more uh, and the more that we believe, uh, the more they gain traction in a cycle between our thoughts, our emotions, and our bodily feelings that can entrap us uh, basically indefinitely. And and for some people, this is a lifelong pro- uh, cycle. You know, for for many of us, in fact, it is. Uh, again, I'm going to get really deeply into this whole this cycle and how it works tomorrow. Uh, so so just you know. Just, just accept it for now that uh, that this goes back to some of the awareness of our physical bodies, and um, and and I encourage you if if you're interested in this to go back and listen to the awareness and the sensing into our bodies episodes that I've recorded on May 22nd and 24th respectively, because that's going to give you a, a strong idea of what I'm talking about, uh, especially in light of what I'm going to go into tomorrow. But um, but again, this awareness and the um, the the uh, feeling and seeing when our bodies are affected by these automatic thoughts uh, is is only half the equation, in fact. Um, you know, to understand why we have <laughs> these negative thoughts, uh, it's helpful to look at how the brain works and its role in our lives, okay? So, um, you know, we, we can basically look at our brains as being a predictor of the future based on experiences of the past, okay? At the end of the day, our brains on the on the subconscious level where 95% of our mental activity rests are purely focused on keeping us alive. That's the only thing they're really concerned about. Okay. Each of our brains, that's really all it wants is to keep us alive. Okay. And, uh, and they do this by constantly comparing every new experience we, we sense to every experience that we've ever sensed before. And, and, 
and they always figure the worst case scenario. Now we're going to have more on this uh, later as well. Okay. Um, but, but basically when they connect a new experience with a memory of an experience that we've lived through in the past, our brains use that memory to dictate our decision and actions. And, and they do so in the effort to get us to, to a similar result that we had before right? Which is survival, right? So basically your, your brain, you know, kind of figures that everything, you know, every time we've experienced this kind of thing before, we've done this action and it's kept us alive. So we're just going to do that again. And that's just how it's going to be. All right. Um, and because uh, our negative experience seems so much more dangerous to our brains, you know, again, worst case scenario, um, you know, we have a, ba- a bias towards the negative over the positive. Um, you know, now, of course, a bias is an automatic subconscious thought or emotion uh, that colors every experience and sensation that we have, okay? Essentially, biases are habits, okay? And so, you know, and, and our negativity bias is one of the strongest ones that we have, okay? Uh, now, I'm going to go also deeply into this later on in the week. All the, There's many different biases that we, you know, typically hold in our brain or, or potentially hold in our brains, and, uh, and I'm going to go through those uh, with you later on this week. Um, but the negativity bias is one of the strongest ones that there is, okay? Um, now, there's, there's this wonderful scientist named uh, Barbara Frederick, and I, I've taken a lot of my my work and my learnings from from her teachings uh, and her work. Um, you know, and she she has this actually wonderful TED talk about the vagus nerve that I covered on uh, on last week. Um, but she's also developed uh, the scientific theory that that we have a three to one ratio to our negative bias. Now, what that means is that it takes three positive experiences to balance out one negative experience and to create a tipping point of emotional resilience beyond which we are able to thrive without the drag of our negative doubts. Okay. Now, incidentally, uh, there's another psychologist named John Gottman. Uh, he's a famous couples therapist, and he claims that, um, that for married couples, the ratio is actually five to one. So married couples need to have five positive, uh, you know, experiences together to to overcome uh, one negative experience and to and to thrive as a couple. So uh, just so you know, John Gottman is known to um, to successfully predict whether a, a couple will stay married past five years after having only a 10 minute conversation with the couple. And he credits this uh, reputation with why he no longer receives invitations to dinner parties. <laughs> and that's a true story, actually. Um, so, so now that we know that our, our brains are programmed for this negativity bias, right? Or, or as, as soon as we can accept that the, the understanding that, that our brains are programmed for this negativity bias, we can work with this knowledge to get, at, get it out of our way in our lives, right? Now, now, as I mentioned a minute ago, awareness is key to this, okay? And, and since the, this entire podcast is based on an emotional intelligence, uh, I should mention that that this um, this is is 
you know, th- this expanded awareness, this specifically the the awareness of our emotions is uh, is based on the the connection between our thoughts, emotions, and feelings. Okay, and uh, and when we have an awareness of our bodies, we can have we have an awareness of all our emotions, and all this is the very first step to emotional intelligence. Okay, because that's how it works. So you see, like by by, and again, I'm going to explain this a little bit deeper uh, in a, in an episode to, uh, tomorrow, I think, um, that, that deals with this this connection between our emotions, our thoughts, and our bodily feelings. But but it is the awareness of all this that that enables us to take that first step towards the emotional intelligence, which I've told you uh, already here a few times is is key to to many levels of success in business and in our social lives and in every aspect of our lives. You know, uh, it, it literally there there's scientists out here who say that that an enhanced emotional intelligence it really makes you smarter. Like that's literally how they talk about it. You know, like like there's a better indicator of how smart you are than an IQ test would be. All right. Um, so so but to uh but to to get uh you know real traction with this stuff and and really crush this negativity bias and all the ants crawling all over it um you know we we can reprogram our subconscious mind to avoid the negative thoughts about ourselves okay now this brings me back to self love all right. Um, now, as I warned you in the beginning, I'm going to talk about mental habits, uh, you know, here again. OK. And, and this is like everything in my work uh, or, you know, a, a huge part of my work comes down to mental habits, because, again, um, you know, it, it's it's one thing to try to remember to, to you know, to, to think about our automatic negative thoughts. But it's another thing to just get into a habit where we're always just performing in a certain way and therefore we don't have to remember it. OK, because again, 95% of our, of our thoughts are already automatic and therefore they are already habitual. Okay. So, so like, let's not try to fight that because trying to fight that, you know, again, like a motivational speaker might get you all pumped up and and in a place where you're, you're going to conquer every negativity bias that you have in your, in your, in your mind and and your brain, you know, and and how long do you think that's going to last? You know, it's only going to last as long as, you know, till the next, you know, like, you know, crap storm at at work, right? Or, or the next dilemma that you have to deal with, right? Because, because once we, we need to like, you know, once we get into a place where we're triggered in any kind of way, where our amygdala feels a threat coming on, then all the automatic thoughts then kick in and, and everything becomes automatic again. So therefore the idea of, of, you know, sort of, you know, cognitively trying to change this stuff is really an uphill battle that, that really doesn't work for many people. So, so again, it becomes about, uh, you know, mental habits in which, in which we can just become automatic about this. Okay. So, so just like I told you last week that we can develop a mental habit to see every person we experience every single day in a positive and, and a sort of honoring way, right? And, and how this will automatically change the dynamic of every interaction we have, 
we can also develop a mental habit to experience ourselves with the same sort of benefit of the doubt that we are, you know, worthy of happiness and well-being in every experience, okay? And just like the kind intention we discussed last week, um, we'll, we'll change the dynamics of every interaction we have. This kind of inter- intention, I'm sorry, this kind intention uh, towards ourselves will change the dynamics of our internal narrative and allow us to assume the best of ourselves, right? And again, because it's all subconscious, it's like program it's like a programming thing, right? It's 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 a, you know, forming new habits as I keep saying, all right? I'm sorry to repeat myself. <laughs> now, I know some of you might be now sitting here thinking and rolling your eyes that like, okay, this guy now sounds like some kind of Stuart Smalley kind of guy. Is that the guy's name from Saturday Night Live? It's Stuart Smalley, right? The I am I'm, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like me, right? What was that? Daily Affirmations, I believe it was, right? And uh, and so, you know, so, so you know, it's, it's funny, like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not about that, first of all. I mean, you know, that, that was more about self-confidence, and, and uh, I'm sure that, that most people here have, have an abundance of self-confidence, right? All you managers and sales p- professionals and entrepreneurs are brimming with self-confidence. So it's not, about, it's not about saying you're good enough, you're smart enough, and gosh darn it, people like you, you know. But, but I want you to remember something that, you know, that, that jokes only work, right, if there's some level of truth to it, right? And so, and so the reason why I'm talking about, uh, you know, Al Franken's character now, you know, what, 30 years later, you know, is, is because it's, there was some truth to it, you know, and, and that's what made it so funny and so memorable, right? And so, so while I'm not really talking about the self-confidence necessarily, unless that is something you struggle with, which I'm going to give you a way to practice that in a second, um, but, but I'm, I'm really more like talking about putting ourselves in a place of love and caring, okay? Because when we love and care about something, we are far less likely to criticize that something. We're far less likely to judge that something. In fact, the, uh, the poet uh, Rumi, I believe it is, who, who said that love is the absence of judgment. Okay, that's the definition of love. Like if you love something, you accept it how it is. And, and if you accept it how it is, you do so without judging it, right? And so, so the idea is that if we can, if we can convince ourselves to love ourselves as opposed to hating ourselves, which, you know, those, all those psychologists, uh, you know, 25 years ago proved that, that most of us do, um, you know, if we can convince ourselves to love ourselves as opposed to hating ourselves, then we are going to be far less likely to judge ourselves. And we're going to be far less likely to criticize ourselves. And we're going to be far less likely to do things that are going to sabotage ourselves, right? Which unfortunately, many of us do over and over and over again every single day. Okay. So, so again, Again, here's the practice, and it is super duper easy. Okay, uh, you know, like all the other practices that I give you people uh, here, it, it requires very. It, it's a very simple process. the The only thing that makes it maybe a little challenging is that you have to keep repeating it until it becomes a habit. Okay, remember, you know, a habit is something that that you do over and over and over again for a certain period of time, so that it becomes automatic. Okay, so that's what we're doing, and again. We're going to nudge into those automatic thoughts and we're going to, to, you know, claim a space here of that 95% that, that these thoughts are going to be automatic, but they're going to be positive and automatic. Okay. So 
how do you do this practice? You, you sit down and again, you don't have to get into any kind of, you know, uh, special meditative position or, or you don't have to have any music or any gongs or chimes or incense or cushions or anything like that. I mean, if you're into all that, then this will work with that and you can do that. Uh, however, if you're not, you can do this sitting at your desk. You can do this sitting at your kitchen table. Uh, you can do this, um, you know, in your car, on the train, on the bus, at a grocery store. You can do this anywhere you like, in any position you like, okay? Um, it doesn't necessarily require you to close your eyes, but a lot of times when you close your eyes, what you do is you, you know, our, our visual um, sense is is the strongest sense that we have, right? Like we, we are based on things that we see all around us. So by closing your eyes, you're literally blocking out like 80% of the sensory information that's coming into your brain. And so that just enables you to focus a little bit better. So if you can, you know, close your eyes, you know, unless you're driving, <laughs> you know, it would be great if you could uh, close your eyes. Okay. But again, not if you're driving. <laughs> um, so, so closing your eyes and simply just repeating the phrases over and over and it's going to sound very mechanical and it's going to sound very sort of robotic and that's okay because again we're just trying to reprogram our subconscious here so it doesn't matter you know if it's got a you know a passionate feel to it or not it's just about you know repeating it over and over and over again now i should say that having the emotional investment in it to to feel like excited that this is going to work is going to help Okay, so, you know, when I said it doesn't require any sort of special feelings about ourselves or, or passion or anything, uh, that's not necessarily true. What it, you know, the, the passion for it is going to assist in the efficacy of this practice. So, so if you can, when you're getting into doing this practice, if you can, you know, sort of get yourself to feel good about it, get yourself to feel that, that these practices that you're doing are going to work in a few weeks and, and this is going to be an exciting change for you, okay, that will help help this process. All right. Um, so assuming you can do that and if you can't do it right away, that's okay. I mean, don't, don't get too hung up on that part of it. As you go, you're going to see signs that it's working and that's going to get you excited. And, and so, so that, that will take care of itself to a certain degree. I just felt it was important to call your attention to that in case you are, uh, able and willing to sort of pay attention a little bit more to that, you know, sort of emotional value to it. But anyway, um, the, the process itself is quite simple. As long as you can repeat this uh, with a regular uh, frequency and, uh, and, and, uh, and the intention to keep going with it, this will work. Okay, I promise you. And, and, it's, and it's super simple. Again, so you're just going to repeat, say, five phrases to yourself, which are going to, to sort of work against this idea of self-hate and work towards this thing of self-love. Now, I'm going to give you the five phrases that I use for myself, but you are invited to use any five phrases for yourself that you like. And, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you through my five phrases how I've picked these phrases to apply to my life and to, to apply to the things that hold me back normally. So what I'm going to ask you to do is, is maybe work with the five that I give you for today and tomorrow. But, but as you go along, you know, try to find the phrases that really apply to you. Like what are those things in your life that really hold you back, right? Like, like that you find, and you will find if you can look at it, you know, if you can take a quiet moment and just 
just really reflect on, on, you know, things that happen to you all the time, you will find that there's a pattern there. You will find that, that, that all the, you know, sort of self-sabotaging that you find yourself doing is based on, you know, a, a few different things and very consistently. So I, I guarantee you, if you look hard enough, you will find that. So, so here are my five. Okay. And, and again, this is, you know, this is just a matter of repeating it over and over and over and over again, as much as you can take really, uh, because again, repeating it like that over and over and over and over again is what creates a habit. Okay, it creates an automatic uh, pattern of thoughts, which becomes a habit, which means that it's nothing that you have to think about later on. So, and because we're all busy, you know, <laughs> we don't need to be thinking about all this stuff. Okay, so here they are. So I close my eyes and I say the following I say, May I be well? May I be free from suffering? May I be free from fear and insecurity? May I be free from regret. May I feel loved. May I be happy. I know that's actually six phrases. Pardon me. <laughs> I actually added the regret thing recently uh, because I find that myself that I find myself getting very uh, swept up in the uh, in sort of obsessing over the regrets that I have, and that's and that's again that's living in the past, and that's going to encourage a depression in me. So I, I really try to stay away from that. So so I've I've added that into this daily practice, and it's worked. Okay, I've I've, I've found myself being far less uh, regretful of things uh, since I've done that. So that's. How how this works. Okay. So, so again, start out with these phrases again, may I be well, may I be free from suffering? May I be free from fear and, and uh, insecurity? May I be free from regret? May I feel loved? May I be happy? Okay. Say those over and over to yourself. It, take, take 10 minutes and just repeat it as many times as you can in 10 minutes. Okay. If you can't take 10 minutes, take five minutes. If you can't take five minutes, take two minutes. If you can't take two minutes, take three repetitions, you know, just start where you are. Okay. Just, you know, like Arthur Ashe says, you know, start where you are, use what you've got, do what you can. All right. That, that's what this is all about. It's a first step. Okay. Uh, a thousand mile journey, you know, begins with one step. Okay. And so, so just take the step and do as much as you can and do it as often as you can. Now, now if you could do this five times a day for 10 minutes each, you know, within two or three weeks, you will be a different person inside your head. I promise you, I promise you. Okay. You know, and if you can't do that much, then it's just going to take a little longer and that's okay. It doesn't matter. Don't, don't go hard on yourself again, because that's not very loving towards yourself, you know? Um, but, but just the, the, the idea is just do it as much as you can, uh, with as much in, you know, intention and presence as you can. Okay. Um, and so again, may I be well, may I be free from suffering? May I be free from fear and insecurity? May I be free from regret? May I feel loved? May I be happy? Okay, over and over and over again, and then and then pick your own. Okay, like like if if your thing is is may I be you know more open minded? May I be less reactive? May I be less angry? May I be you know more uh you know more helpful towards people? You know whatever those things are for you, you do those. Okay, and just 
over and over and over and over, just like a robot, just like a computer, right? Because that's what you're doing. You're reprogramming your software, okay? And, um, and, and, and soon, <laughs> you know, your operating system is going to be changed and upgraded and, and working in ways that are going to benefit you rather than the way that they likely are now, which is holding you back. Okay, and and again, these negative thoughts are no joke, and they and they really work very well to hold us back in a lot of ways. Okay, um, so I hope this all made sense. I hope you found it helpful. Um, and uh, I know this was uh, <laughs> again a little bit long, but uh, but I hope you enjoyed it. And um, if you have any questions about this, as I say every episode, I love to hear from people. Okay, I'm a very social per- person, and I love to talk to people. So please reach out if you like to. If you, if you have any questions or even if you have comments even if you want to tell me about something that that how this has worked for you or how it's not worked for you or or whatever it is please reach out and you can find me very simply on my website artburnscoaching.com or of course my email art at artburnscoaching.com and and truly i would be honored to hear from you and i would love it uh so please reach out okay um with that said i want to thank you again for tuning in here and i wanted to uh just tell you one really, really important thing, as I tell you every week, that I wish you well. All right, everybody. Take care. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye.